Welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting-edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! The potential of breath, a fascinating deep dive into taking oxygen seriously with the amazing Patrick McEwen. I was honoured to have Patrick on the show after following his work for many years and it's wonderful to dive into the importance of our awareness to the breath and oxygen as a major component to becoming well and staying optimal with him. So what we discuss, uh, how Patrick got so interested in breathing oxygen breathwork science, the science of breathing and practical applications, why we need proper breathing, how to detect improper breathing, what we can do about it and his three principles, LSD, techniques, practicalities for health, illness and performance, and what his daily non-negotiables are to keeping him healthy and happy. And we also talk about what's upcoming for Patrick, his new book he's writing now, his book that's just come out, The Breathing Cure, Courses and Products, and where to find him. A little bit about Patrick. So Patrick's an international breathing expert and author based in Galway, Ireland. Since 2002, he has worked with thousands of clients, including elite military special special forces, Olympic coaches and athletes. The Breathing Cure, Patrick's newest book, is a deep dive into the science of breathing. It explores functional breathing for a wide range of health conditions and breathing exercises suitable for adults, children and teens. These unique exercises improve the quality of life with better sleep, health and performance. Today, Patrick has worked with some of the most topped athletes in the world across a variety of sports, including tennis, cycling, weightlifting, American football, MMA and track and field. He's also a TEDx speaker and his work has touched the lives of thousands and more worldwide. So breathe better now and get listening today. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Patrick. I really appreciate your time today. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jordi. It's good to be here. <laughs> and um, and I, I did say off air, but I am a bit of a fangirl and um, love all your work on breathing and oxygenation and education because I think that that is so important. So... But what, what fascinates me is how you actually got so involved in breathing and oxygen and that process. So talk me through, to start with, your story. Yeah, it's a strange, I suppose it's a strange career path that I would never have chosen it. It was, if somebody said to me when I was 20 years of age that you would be working with breathing, I would say that they were, they were on something pretty much. Um, I was a kid growing up with asthma. And if you have asthma, you also have a stuffy nose. So I, I was a chronic mouth breather. And if you breathe a lot through your mouth, you typically breathe fast and shallow. Mm. And this can cause agitation of the mind because it's activating fight or flight response. But one of the biggest things that was impacting was my sleep. So in school and secondary school and into university, my concentration, my ability to hold my attention on curriculum was quite poor. And in secondary school, I often remember falling asleep. Mm. Now, this is normal because if you have a breathing-related condition such as asthma, it's very common in Australia. I think Australia is one of the highest incidences in the world. Yeah. And I think it's about 8 to 10% of the population that when we have inflammation in the lungs, it will normally travel up to the nose and vice versa. And when you have a stuffy nose, you are two to three times more likely to have a sleep problem. 
Mm. So I went through, for, to give you an example, like I was on medication for asthma that was increasing and I was years on medication from about 1976. I was about three or four years of age when I was first diagnosed with asthma right up until 1998, 1999. So many, many years of asthma medication and some hospitalizations with asthma. And I had an operation on my nose in 1994 to alleviate nasal um, obstruction, mm -hmm. but nobody told me to breathe through my nose. <laughs> so it was only when I read a newspaper article in 1997 that I practiced the nose unblocking technique, which is simply breathing in and out and holding your nose and just gently nodding your head up and down. And um, that was able to decongest my nose. And it's known that human beings, that when we hold our breath, we can open up our nose. That's known since 1923. So I made a switch to nasal breathing and I was feeling a lot of air hunger because of years of mouth breathing, hard breathing. Now all of a sudden I'm trying to get the air through two small nostrils mm. and I'm feeling air hunger, but I kept doing it. That night I taped my mouth closed. The first morning I woke up, kind of getting used to it. I don't really remember much out of it. The second morning, I, did, I taped my mouth closed again the second night. I used rewrite strips across my nose. I woke up the second morning and it was the best night's sleep I had in about 15 years. Mm -hmm. So for me, it completely changed my life. Now I was in the corporate world. My background is in economics. And I just felt then about two years later or so, I was driving from one part of Ireland to the other, that kind of a gut feeling that I'd love to be teaching breathing. So I contacted the Russian embassy and they in turn were able to put me in touch with Dr. Konstantin Buteko. And I went over to Russia and I trained there and then I came back to Ireland. So I changed career paths and that was it. Just solely by kind of life often directs us in mysterious ways. And sometimes we have to follow that hunch. And I have to say 20 years on, or it's even more now, it's, it has been the best single decision of my life. And it has been so brilliant in many, many ways. Number one is the work is lovely. I love the work and I'm very suited to it. So that helps. Um, and number two, even for my own personal well-being, you know, and bringing a stillness of the mind and the calmness to the mind and gaps between thoughts, because I would have been one of those kids, like many other kids and like many adults, constantly lost in thought. Mm -hmm. constantly stuck in our heads. And I'm writing a book at the moment on concentration and attention span. And I really have a personal motive with this one because I feel our education system has really let us down. Our education system is teaching us how to think and teaching us how to analyze and decipher and to break information into tiny pieces. We are trained how to think, but we are not trained how to stop thinking. Mm. We have to be teaching people how to take control over their own mind. And in your work, um, Jody, it's going to impact it because if we have a racing mind and an agitated mind, we have to look at sleep quality and we have to look at dysfunctional breathing. And I don't think anybody will bring a canvas of the mind if their physiology is in a state of fight or flight yeah. or if you have sleep disorder breathing and you're feeling tired and you can't focus and you can't concentrate. So mindfulness doesn't work for the very group of people that need it the most. And also people with a racing mind and with sleep disorder breathing will have a tendency to change their eating habits mm -hmm. because it can impact hormones. Exactly. It can increase stress. And, you know, so I think, you know, it can, the human body is one of those things that 
so many different functions influence the other that there's a bi-directional relationship going on. So yeah, so that was my story, you know, that was it. That's so inspiring. Um, and that, that huge jump of, of faith, almost that leap of faith and, and change of career path has really, you know, as you say, it's, it's, it's really paid off. It's the best sort of decision that you've made. And uh, for yes. your science knowledge and your knowledge on it all is, is, is in, it's incredible. It really is. And the, and the way that you can eloquently, um, you know, tell the story and, and tell the science and, and have the knowledge, it's, it's, it's very inspirational. So um, I really, you know, well done all of that. <laughs> very fantastic. Yeah, it's, thanks. It's kind of like the science, I didn't do well in science in school. I am, um, and this is the remarkable thing. I dropped all science subjects. Really? <laughs> and yeah, and I would say to people, you know, to never let, if you're, if you feel that you're a failure in school, never let that hold you back. Never let it hold you back. Um, yeah, I didn't do, I purposely dropped all science subjects. And, you know, I suppose you need, in, in terms of a, a teacher communicating the subjects to kids, the teacher needs to be able to instill passion and um, not just to be reading it from a textbook. And I pretty, I had some pretty lousy teachers, I have to say. So, but you know what? I was pretty lousy student anyway, because I just didn't have the energy level. So it, go, it went both ways, so it did. Yeah, absolutely. And you make so many important points and I really want to pull it apart. And I think we'll get there in the end, but I want to sort of start off, um, you know, obviously nasal breathing and even in, in my clinic, when I, as soon as I mentioned, take your mouth shut to a lot of people, and obviously I explain it, you know, better than that, but they look at me like I am out of this world. Like I am insane and I, like they look like they're about to run out of my office. <laughs> so, you know, I'm so glad that someone's actually on board and actually pro promoting this, just not me being crazy. Um, but all that aside, why, why do we need um, proper breathing? So, you know, I, I love some of your quotes that you have in your book. Um, you know, noses are for breathing, mouths are for eating, all these aspects that we, 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 we need air all the time. We don't even put focus on the air that we breathe, the quality of air that we breathe. So to start with, talk to me about air quality, because you talk about that in your oxygen advantage, um, and the importance of air, um, you know, good quality air and breathing. Yeah, with breathing, we have to look at it from three different dimensions. So there's a biochemical dimension, and that's focusing on carbon dioxide in the blood and the body's response to the buildup of carbon dioxide. It's very common for people with dysfunctional breathing to have cold hands and cold feet. And also alongside that, one can have brain fog. Mm. Now that would in indicate that the blood vessels are constricting. And for many people, they probably don't realize that if they are breathing a little bit too much air, a habit of breathing, a volume of air that's greater than what they need, this causes too, too great a loss of carbon dioxide from the blood. And as a result, blood vessels constrict and less oxygen is delivered throughout the body. Now, if we look at, say, breathing from a biochemical point of view with the exercises there, we, we purposely encourage people to breathe a little bit less air to the point of air hunger. Mm. And air hunger signifies that carbon dioxide is increased in the blood. And by exposing your body to the increased carbon dioxide, you help to reduce the body's response to the gas because it is the primary stimulus to breathe. Every breath that we take under normal circumstances is driven by an accumulation of carbon dioxide. However, genetic predisposition can influence our body's reaction to carbon dioxide. Also, female breathing is different to male breathing. And this has been written about since 19, 1905 
but yet most females won't be familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, asthma and anxiety and panic disorder, trauma and high stress. So go to going through that again. So a genetic predisposition, some people can be a little bit more, have a stronger, a stronger what's called a ventilatory response to CO2, but basically as carbon dioxide increases in the blood, they react with harder and faster breathing. Yeah. They're more sensitive to it. Hormonal changes. So for the female, and we're talking about during the monthly cycle from days, it's post-ovulation, days 10 to days 22. So it's mid-luteal to mid-follicular phase. There's an increase in progesterone and there's an increase in estrogen. But progesterone is a respiratory stimulant. <laughs> now, when respiration is stimulated, breathing will become faster and harder. And during that time for the female, carbon dioxide levels can drop by 25%. Now that's really huge. That's a, you know, that's a significant drop. And that in turn then can increase pain perception and it can reduce pain thresholds. It can contribute to fatigue, to anxiety and panic. So many of the symptoms that are normally associated with PMS mm. are due to changes in breathing patterns as a result of changes in hormones. Now, you know, the problem with this is that the research done on breathing, um, number one is breathing doesn't get all that much research because I suppose you know, it, it's, it's difficult to make money out of it. It's difficult to commercialize it. So there's not an incentive to do the research on it. Um, but even when research is done on breathing, it's mainly done on men. Men are doing the, the research, so they don't typically look at female breathing. Mm. And even when um, breathing has been done in females, it fails to take into consideration the monthly cycle. So just one aspect um, that's not one aspect of it. But say, for example, Jody, the group of people with anxiety and panic disorder, and I don't know the percentage of the population who have a predisposition to anxiety and panic disorder, mm. but it must be pretty significant. 75% mm. of that population have dysfunctional breathing. 75%. Yep. Yep. Now, what is dysfunctional breathing coming back to this? So we have three components. We have the biochemical dimension, which is focused on carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide isn't just a waste gas. It's a vasodilator. It helps open up our blood vessels or improve our blood circulation. But it also increases oxygen delivery because when oxygen, when we take a breath of air into our lungs, oxygen passes from the lungs into the blood and 98.5% of oxygen is carried bound by hemoglobin. And hemoglobin is a protein within the red blood cell. Mm. Hemoglobin releases oxygen in the presence of carbon dioxide. Now, if we have an idea in our head that it's good to be taking these full big breaths, as I did, you know, yeah. back in 1995, 96. Right, me, when you said that, the big breath, you think that you're taking in more. It's good for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, I'll give you an example. I was going in, I was at a university in Dublin and I wasn't, you know, physiologically, I was a mouth breather, as I said, I was breathing a little bit faster in upper chest. And I remember I used to have quite a regular breathing. I would be sighing fairly frequently, mm -hmm. but I was going into doing an exam and I was just a bit anxious going into it. So I took about three or four minutes walk. Instead of going into the exam, I decided just to go for a walk to kind of clear my head a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, during that walk, I took these full big breaths because that's what I had read or that's what I'd known back then. Mm -hmm. And I did it for three or four minutes, not for a whole length of time. But I walked into the exam hall and I was totally spaced out. And I remember just sitting down at the desk and for trying to focus, you know, I actually did entirely the wrong thing because I believed that the more air I breathed, 
the more oxygen would get to my brain. It's the opposite that takes place. Yeah. So for from we are teaching breathing exercises to our students, you know, and in terms of improving concentration and blood flow to the brain, we give them and also calming the central nervous system. So people with panic disorder, mm-hmm. we give them small little breath tolls, or you know, we ask them to hold their breath for maybe a little bit longer, depending on the person, because when you hold your breath, carbon dioxide increases and blood flow to the brain improves. Mm-hmm. And um so that's the biochemical dimension. The biomechanical dimension then is focused on the movement of the diaphragm. So having optimal movement of the diaphragm. Yeah. And the diaphragm is a very important muscle because it assists with lymphatic drainage. So the body's, body's waste, like the lymph system doesn't have a pump of its own. So it relies on the movement of the diaphragm to pump lymph throughout the body. Yeah. And also every breath that we take the diaphragm, ideally, we have optimal movement so that during the inhalation, the diaphragm is moving downwards and it's displacing the abdomen. And then during the exhalation, the diaphragm is moving back up to its resting position. So with every breath, it's almost that it's massaging all of the internal organs. Yeah. Now, that's very, very important as well in terms of digestion, etc. And we see it with people with irritable bowel syndrome. Now, it's probably from a number of different perspectives. A lot of people with issues are in sympathetic drive. So they're in too much of a stress response and not enough of a you know, parasympathetic drive. So the biomechanics also is connected with the emotions that when we breathe with greater amplitude of the diaphragm, it has a calming effect on the mind. So the biochemical aspect is also connected with the emotions because we can influence blood flow and oxygen delivery to the brain. The biomechanics, as I spoke about, is connected. And then we do slow breathing, which is resonance frequency breathing. And this is about slowing down the respiratory rate to between 4.5 and 6.5 breaths per minute. Now, when we slow down our breathing, this helps to strengthen what's called the baroreflex or pressure receptors in the major blood vessels. It makes them more sensitive. Mm -hmm. So a very important aspect of the autonomic nervous system is how sensitive are the baroreceptors. So we have pressure receptors in the major blood vessels in the carotid arteries, which are feeding the neck and and brain with blood flow and the aorta. And these pressure receptors are constantly monitoring our blood pressure. Mm -hmm. If we have an increase in blood pressure, the pressure receptors will send immediate signals for the blood vessels to open up and the heart rate to come down to bring down our blood pressure. And conversely, if we have a drop in blood pressure, the pressure receptors send immediate signals for the blood vessels to constrict and heart rate to increase. Mm. The sensitivity of the baroreflex influences vagal tone. So the three aspects of breathing, biochemistry, biomechanics, and slow breathing, all can help to strengthen the baroreflex. And by that, we can improve vagal tone, which is the functioning of the vagus nerve. Yeah. And the vagus nerve, of course, is going to be very important about achieving that balance in the autonomic nervous system. So slow breathing stimulates the vagus nerve. And by doing that, it secretes the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. And this causes the heart rate to slow down. Now, this is known since 1921. Like all of this stuff, none of this stuff is new. Um, It's been all there, but it's kind of been overlooked, which is really unfortunate. Um, You know, and I'll give you stories of working with different people. And I had a very interesting day on Monday working with elite um, police officers and snipers. 
Mm. And, you know, even just bringing, teaching how to breed while firing, um, firing now, these aren't, these are rifles, but these are rifles that you can target a thousand, thousand feet away, 300 meters, mm -hmm. but just the capability of the breath. But all I was doing was just tapping into the vagus nerve because if you say, for example, have a soft breath in through your nose, and if you have a really relaxed and a slow and gentle exhalation, that's stimulating the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is secreting acetylcholine. The heart rate is slowing down and the brain is interpreting that the body is safe because when the heart rate is going slower, the brain is thinking, well, the body now is in a safe environment and the brain will signal to the body accordingly to mm. bring a calmness. Mm. And we can tap into this at any time. So if we have some say connection to our body and and breath, you know, taking our attention out of the mind and into the body during the day and just even holding our attention there. And it doesn't matter. Like, I think for some ways breathing just has a bad rep because it was associated too much left of field and it was associated with beads and the white robes and, you know, the lotus position and all of this. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. it's not about that. It's about the human being being able to change states. Like when I was working with the guys on Monday, they were all male, okay, because it's a very male-dominated environment. Yeah. And they're not, they're, they're going to be, they were all alpha males. These are all highly trained, fit individuals. I can imagine. And for me to come in and teach breathing exercises to them, you know, you'd never have guessed it. But I'm talking about in terms of their focus. So they'd be sitting, looking into a sight of a rifle for one hour at a time. Now, that takes capacity to control the mind. Yeah. Have, have we as human beings, you know, have we been trained to control our mind, to hold our attention? But we do that through the breath. The breath is a great place to start. Mm. And also sleep, sleep disorder breathing. So if they're going into an operation at, say, three o'clock in the morning, yeah. you know, for a normal individual, they're going into a highly stressful situation. And if, if that's on our mind, so say, for instance, we go to sleep at nine or 10, 10 p.m. If we know that we have to get up at three or four o'clock, the chances are we probably won't fall to sleep because it's going to be playing on our mind. Exactly. So how do you teach any person how to downregulate before sleep and even to achieve a deep sleep? And a deep sleep is achieved with nose breathing, with light breathing and slow breathing and deep breathing. So I use the acronym LSD. Yeah. Light is about the biochemistry. Slow is about slowing down the respiratory rate. And D is, deep is, D is for deep is using good amplitude of the diaphragm. So, you know, just a couple of ideas in terms of bringing it into everyday walks of life. Yeah, absolutely. And we all know that feeling of waking up for a flight the next day and thinking that you're going to miss it so you don't fall asleep the night before. Yes, totally. <laughs> Not that absolutely. many of us fly these days. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It was uh, an actual fact... Just before COVID hit, I flew in from um, Los Angeles on the 17th of March, 2020. And my, my next trip was Sydney, 19th of March. And of course, Australia was in lockdown. I've only had one trip since. It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me, I have to say. I've absolutely delighted with it. So yeah. I know COVID has been very difficult for many, many people. But for many other people, you know what? It's really gave us a bit of a reset. And I think we have to learn something out of this. Hopefully we don't go back to the mad, the madness again. Sometimes I feel it's going to start going back, you know. But yeah, or maybe in a different way. That's where way. it's at. 
But I agree. I think, and, and, and for people, it is a reset, a rethink, and they've definitely realigned their lives a little bit more from my experience, yes. which, is, yeah. which is lovely. Yeah. They realize the purpose and importance of certain things versus anything yes. else. And family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They were had to be locked up with their family. <laughs> Oh dear. So I I think that was a a perfect summary and that really is great for the audience to understand exactly. And and with the LSD really easy to remember with that slow breathing. I've also had it in clinic here where I've had scenarios where people have had really high blood pressure. And I just find that, you know, someone's sitting there, they've got really high blood pressure you know, I'm, I'm not scary. I've not got a white coat on like normal doctors, but, you know, chatting to them and then I get them to do it again and I get them to do slow and uh, slow breathing. And I, I don't give them any other direction, obviously, not that the way that you would, but the next blood pressure reading is down and it, it, it happens every single time. Um, yeah. So, you know, for, for me, that's just in itself. And then for them to say that, to know that, wow, if totally. I'm getting because you know, wound I up, that's... That's my blood that's, pressure going up. <laughs> that's, I think for the, for the, your client that you're working with, you know, when you're showing them that simple thing, I think that's a great realization. Mm. At least it's planting a seed that they will have some control over it. Um, and, you know, you can go into like a reset, even for 90 seconds can be a pretty good reset. Mm. And when we think of the breath itself, the inhalation is more driven by the stress response the vagus nerve steps back a little bit. So it's more under control of the sympathetic nervous system. It's the exhalation, which is completely under the control of the parasympathetic response. Mm. And the key is to have, if you want to bring the body into relaxation, you have a slow and relaxed and prolonged exhalation out through the nose. So it's in through the nose, soft in through the nose, and it's silent. So it's only a soft, gentle breath coming into your nose, and then a slow and relaxed and prolonged exhalation. And by doing that, you'll help to stimulate the vagus nerve. Or you could have people just breathing in for a count of five seconds and breathing out for a count of five seconds and in for a count of five and out for a count of five. And that will also do it. And both of those will help to bring down, bring down blood pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a great reset, you know. Somebody is in the corporate world. They're feeling stressed. They can't get in on a Zoom meeting. And I've had that. I've had... You know, one meeting, I remember I had 50 people waiting somewhere. I couldn't get in. I had the wrong link. Mm-hmm. Um, entirely my fault. But yeah, here I am thinking. And you, it's something that could start getting one stressed. Absolutely. And you feel it. So I felt it. And I started just slowing down the exhalation. Slowing down the exhalation. And it's amazing what it can do. Mm, yeah, absolutely. A few points there. I've worked with HeartMath a lot. And that's, again, bringing direction back in. I really love their work. Yes. The vagal nerve has impacts across the whole body, which we'll get into your new book, The Breathing Cure. You know, the, the, the research surrounding the vagal tone and the vagal nerve is huge. And you say the lack of breathing research is, is you know, is dire, really. We need, we need to breathe to live. It's, it's crazy to think that we've not researched it fully and properly. <clears throat> Even associated with performance, and I really like what you've said in a few other podcasts, is that with the performance and then exercise. And this is what I was actually riding my bike at the time of listening to this for you. And you were saying um, to one of our mutual friends, colleagues, Boomer, um, that you breathe through your nose and out through your nose through exercise. <laughs> I then decided to try that. And I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness, I'm starved. I, I, so straight through my mouth again. So, you yes. know, 
that sort of thing, I would say, with performance, definitely needs to have more research and more direction too. So I, I guess I, I want to dive into a little bit of that first, and then I want to talk about how we can actually look and, and detect an improper breathing and, and work towards optimising that. So maybe just give me a bit of a rundown of how, how do people get started to get into that proper breathing technique while exercising? Yeah, like the nose really is the central part when it comes to the breath. If if you were to ask, what does the mouth do in terms of breathing? Mm. Does the mouth, does it filter the air coming in? Does it warm it? Does it moisten it? Does it regulate volume? Does it harness nasal nitric oxide? Is the mouth connected with the brain through the breath? Is the mouth connected with the diaphragm? And the answer is that the mouth has absolutely no functions when it comes to breathing. Zero. Does absolutely nothing. Mm. Now, when we breathe through the mouth we tend to have greater engagement of the upper chest mm -hmm. and less movement of the diaphragm. When we breathe to the mouth, we breathe faster and harder. So faster and harder breathing and upper chest breathing is inefficient and uneconomical. And the reason being is because the greatest concentration of blood flow in the human low lungs is in the lower lobes. And that's because of gravity. And even on a bike, you're going to be kind of slouched forward. You're still at an incline. So if you're running, you're upright. So we spend most of our days either sitting upright, standing, or walking or whatever. So with gravity, the greatest concentration of blood is in the lower lobes. Now, if you're breathing through the mouth, we're typically engaging the upper, but we're breathing faster. And this also is influencing mental states. Back in 1996, there was a paper by Travis and Dullyard, and they look at athletes, and they had them breathe through their nose, and they measured um, EEG readings, alpha waves and beta waves. And they found that athletes who breathed through their nose during physical exercise were more likely to enter flow states. Hmm. Now, there's more research come out in 2020, 2020 sorry, from Israel, and it looked at visual spatial awareness. So they had athletes breathe through their nose and monitoring their visual spatial awareness. And that would be your ability to have your attention, say, in a football in front, mm -hmm. but also scanning the pitch. And that's very important because you're able to read the game better. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's something primitive about the nose. Even we select our mates based on um, the function of the nose. And there was a very interesting paper that was published back in 2012. And they looked at females who selected their mates while they were on the pill. And of course, the pill is influencing their hormones. So say, for instance, you have a female that meets, meets her mate and she's on the pill. And then six months later, the female comes off the pill and her hormones are changing. She looks at her mate differently. Um, after, and this was the study that was conducted and published in the United Kingdom. And I was reading this and saying, the nose is just that organ that we have completely overlooked it. Yeah. You know, how many people even talk about breathing through the nose? 50% mm. of people sleep with their mouths open. Mm. That's 50% of the adult population. They're more likely to have insomnia. Yeah. They're more likely to have snoring. Yeah. They're more likely to have obstructive sleep apnea. I, I wrote a scientific paper. It's on Pub, PubMed. I wrote it with two ear, nose and throat doctors, Dr. Carlos O'Connor and Dr. Plaza. Mm. And it's investigating the application of light, slow and deep breathing for the phenotypes of sleep apnea. Now, this is a condition that we really have to be paying attention to oh, yeah. because if sleep quality is, is impacted, it's, you know, driving up stress levels, that too is driving up blood pressure. Yeah. It's affecting pretty much every function. 
Yeah. And nose breathing, light, slow and deep breathing with the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth is absolutely the key. Now, I understand that, you know, the main treatment for sleep apnea is the CPAP machine, that great Australian invention, as I often refer to <laughs> by Dr. Colin O'Sullivan. And, and he got the idea. He got the idea from a vacuum cleaner in reverse. <clears throat> so instead of the vacuum cleaner sucking air, you, you're wearing this device, and it's it's administering air at a positive pressure to splint open the airways. The only problem is, fifty percent of people can't tolerate it. Mm, that's right. So I'm going to come back to your question a little bit. Mm, so, but this all comes back into because the breathing of an athlete, or the breathing of anybody doing physical exercise, that's influenced by your everyday breathing. Mm. So how you breathe during the day and how you breathe during your sleep is going to influence how you breathe during physical exercise. Mm. And if you have, say, somebody with a little bit faster and upper chest breathing during wakefulness, that in turn will translate into disproportionate breathlessness during physical exercise. Mm -hmm. So the importance of nose breathing with physical exercise is that nose breathing increases oxygen uptake in the blood. And this has been known since 1988 that the PO2, the PAO2, which is the entire concentration of oxygen, mm -hmm. that increases by 10% by nasal breathing. Now that in turn then influences the SPO2 or the SAO2. They're slightly different, but one is influencing the other. When you breathe through your nose during physical exercise, your nose imposes a greater resistance because it's a smaller entry into the body. And as a result, you breathe less air by nasal breathing. Because you breathe less air, carbon dioxide cannot leave the body so quickly. Mm -hmm. And because carbon dioxide cannot leave the body so quickly, you feel air hunger. Mm. So when you switch from mouth to nose breathing during physical exercise, it's tough. But what I would say is, yeah. go a little <laughs> bit slower. So if you go slower, your body then will adjust to the increased carbon dioxide. And that in turn then is reducing your ventilatory response to CO2 mm -hmm. and the air hunger reduces. Mm. So it's only a short time, about four to six weeks. <laughs> now then think of what can happen as a result of doing your physical exercise with your mouth closed. Increased oxygen uptake in the blood. Yeah. Increased oxygen delivery to the working muscles. Your nose is connected with the diaphragm breathing muscle more than your mouth. Mm. And your diaphragm breathing muscle is also providing spinal stabilization, which yeah. assists with functional movement. So when we think of the core, we have to think also of the diaphragm and the role it plays. Mm. So functional breathing and functional movement go together. Yeah. And if athletes have dysfunctional breathing, they're more likely to have dysfunctional movement. And if they have dysfunctional movement, they're more prone to, to injury. Mm. The trauma that can be associated with mouth breathing in terms of the upper airways. Mm. So people with exercise induced bronchoconstriction, they're okay. taking cold, dry air in through their mouth. Moisture is being sucked out of their throat, out of their, their airways, and this is causing constriction of the airways. So true. Dental health. If you run a lot with your mouth open or cycle, your mouth is dry, you're yeah. more likely to be dehydrated, but also it, it increases bad breath, gum disease, dental cavities, but even chapped lips. Mm. nose breeders don't get chapped lips no. the reason that we get a chapped chapped lips is because when we mouth breed we're drying out the the, the mucosa of the lips yeah. and then we lick the lips and then we dry them out by mouth breathing mm -hmm. past it yeah and it's so, it's so common and even at night time you see yeah. that people wake up and again a, a good friend of mine a biological dentist we talk about all the time she's like mouth breathing is the worst thing i've got two young kids and she's like 
one of yours mouse breathes and one of yours doesn't. I'm like, oh gosh, now I'm going to tape their mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's, it's, <clears throat> I've, it's, do you know what? It's huge. There was a study in Stratford-upon-Avon by Karen Bonnock. She looked at 11,000 British kids <clears throat> and it was published, I think, in 2012 in the journal Pediatrics. Children with sleep disorder breathing, and all this is in, including a snoring. Mm. Mouth breathing contributes to this, sleep disorder breathing. If sleep disorder breathing was untreated by age five, these kids had a 40% increased risk of special education needs by age eight. And the reason being is because during childhood, those formative years, the brain is developing. Mm. And for the brain to develop correctly, it needs good sleep. Yeah. There's, there's a wonderful orthodontist in Sydney, in Randwick, which is a suburb of Sydney. His name is Dr. Derek Mahoney. Mm. And Derek Mahoney would, he would be a pioneer in all of this information in terms of, and I know he's done a recently, I don't know if it's been published, a PhD on looking at mouth breathing in children and how it can impact their quality of life, including ADHD, et cetera. Yeah. But he looked at a huge population of kids because, again, something that's been very, very understudied, even though I have a journal here. This is a 1909 journal called wow. Dental Cosmos. That is cool. Now, and in this, there is an article about mouth breathing in children. Oh. And they talk in this that the child is sitting in school and the face is dull and expressionless because mouth breathing can change the craniofacial development. Like my jaws are set back. We sh I shouldn't have jowls. If my chin was far forward enough, mm. I wouldn't have jowls. Yeah. But my yeah. jaws are set back because of mouth breathing. Nose is bent because the maxilla is set back. Yes. So these craniofacial changes can happen as a result of how we breathe during the formative years. Absolutely. And, you know, again, when you see it written in Dental Cosmos, and you'll, you'll find this online, that article is available online. And mm. um, what else does it say? That the teacher is accusing the child of not paying attention. Yeah. You know, because of course, the child has got poor sleep and the child is sitting there and stuck in their head. And I think it's dreadful. I really do. I, you know, I think it's incredible that we're putting kids, putting them into school to sit down for four or six hours a day, these young kids. Yeah. yeah. And demanding that they can concentrate. Absolutely. And nobody is asking anybody. Nobody is asking, are these kids having a good quality sleep? Not the quantity. Yeah. It's the quality that's the key. Yeah. Because many kids are snoring and yeah. it's getting, you know, brushed under the carpet. Absolutely. Yeah, we've just been down a, a whole route. Cause that, and this, again, is, is why I'm, I'm so and I advocate your work so much is that, you know, we're, we're going down this route of, of, of orthodontic movement of, of both of my kids. Yeah. So open yes. up the airways. We did the cone beam scans. I did the cone beam scans. So we're all looking at the, the airway um, ability for yeah. the breath to come in. So my son's yes. plates and all sorts of things to move forward the jaw and the hollowing out here. So it's really yes. interesting when you get into that, your my munchies yeah. and bring the, you know, the functional movements yes. back into the mouth. And then we're doing taping while they're watching TV. So we're bringing more yeah. nose breathing in. So it's just a whole plethora of things that you can do, but yes. not many people know about it. And that's the, the hard no. part, you know, and that's no. bringing the awareness to the population to know, well, you know, these yeah. kids to start with, they're sitting there, like you say, not able to concentrate because of the sleep, because of the breathing, couple that with EMF, you no know, grounding for food, for water. <laughs> 
Uh, we have yeah. a big problem. We have a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and it's it's amazing. The taping, by the way, I must show you the tape that we use just in case, because sometimes yeah, my people might be thinking that your the tape is just going across the lips. Yes. Um, for I'll, children. I'll for children, well, the, the only one that I have to hand here is the adults one. So it's called Myo Myo tape. Yeah. Um, but I'll just kind of show it to you because you can bring the lips together without actually covering the lips. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to ask you because I've been using the traditional way, but I wanted to ask you about this. Yes, right. So it's an elasticated cotton tape. Yes. And because of the elasticity, it's pulling the lips together. Because mm, it's pulling. And that's helping to ensure nasal breathing. Right. And um, but there's no risk. Yes. And the other thing is that I think it was a great idea of what you said for your children that if they're watching television for them to wear a little piece of paper tape or mm. to wear a tape around the mouth while they're watching TV, maybe for a half an hour or 15 minutes or 20 minutes or even an hour per day, mm. because it's changing the behavior. Yeah. And we have the kids wear the tape as well mm. because kids want to talk. Yes. If, if we just put the tape across their lips and then they're talking, they keep on pulling off the tape and then it doesn't come back on. I'm sure That's you've seen it. Or they want to take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, these little supports and they're, they're not expensive, you know, so it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's important. Mm. You're lucky that you have the information for your children because so many parents will wait until their child is 12 or 13 years of age. Yeah and then bring the child to a traditional orthodontist. Mm. And if the traditional orthodontist only understands about extracting teeth and realigning with, with braces, yep. that is a big problem, Which you know? So yeah. it's dreadful. You know, you've got two schools of thought in orthodontistry. You have orthodontists who understand about the development of the face and the airways mm. in order to house the, the teeth. And it doesn't involve extractions. And then you've got another school of thought that's saying that the reason that the teeth are crooked is that because the teeth are too big, let's remove teeth. But the problem is, if you remove teeth, there's no room now for the tongue because mm. the mouth is smaller. Exactly. So where is the tongue going to go? But back into the throat. Yeah. And so, yeah. Proper swallowing and all sorts. My son just got, just today, he got put in a tongue trainer. And so you actually get proper yes. swallowing technique. It's crazy. You learn so much every yes. day. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Maya Research Companies, it's uh, again an Australian company and mm -hmm. leading the world in terms of putting those devices out there. Yeah. There's a, a dentist called Dr. Chris Farrell. I'm not sure whereabouts in Australia they're based, but. Okay, yeah, really interesting. Wow. All right, so we digress, but I think that's really necessary for people <laughs> to understand that. And I get it all the time in my clinic. I had a 16 year old the other day who couldn't breathe through his nose at all and i get it all the time and they, they're getting um you know surgeries and steroid sprays and all sorts through their nose and he's a, an athlete he's a foot, football player high up can't breathe through his nose at all so he's breathing only through his mouth and trying to you know do well with that and his headaches he's, and he's, he's not going to do well he couldn't even move on the chair he was exhausted yeah. i'm like we, we've got to try and get your, your breathing happening. So very important, yeah. I think, for the audience to understand it from that sort of simple perspective. Well, Jody, the next time he comes into you, what you mm -hmm. can do is because here's a kid, once he doesn't have high anxiety or panic disorder or no serious medical conditions, just ask him, stand up, mm -hmm. take a normal breath in through your nose and out through your nose and pinch your nose and hold your nose. 
Yeah. And start walking while holding your breath. And keep walking while you're holding your breath until you feel a moderate to strong air hunger. Nothing extreme, but say a moderate air hunger. Yeah. Then let go, breathe in through your nose. Breathe normally for about a minute or so. And then repeat. Take a normal breath in and out through your nose. Pinch your nose, hold your nose. And walk while holding your breath until you feel a moderate air hunger. Let go, breathe in through your nose. Do it five or six times. Mm. And it's likely that his nose will open up. Wow. Okay. All it takes is five minutes. Wow. Now, that, lo- that will only temporarily decongest the nose. But yeah. yet, any time his nose gets stuffy, he will be able to open it up. The more he breathes through his nose, the better his nose works. Mm. And then the other question that you had in terms of how would you screen for breathing pattern disorders? Yeah. We use a breath hold time that's from the Buteco method called the control pause. We call it the boat, the body oxygen level test. And if you were to measure that young young kid's breathing he would be say you'd have him sitting down for about five to ten minutes mm-hmm. and then you say to him i'd like to measure the length of time that you can hold your breath for comfortably that's the measurement you ask him to take a normal breath in and out through his nose and pinch his nose and you time it in seconds until he feels the first definite desire to breathe so it's not the maximum length of his breath told it's only until he feels the first definite desire to breathe or the first involuntary movement of the diaphragm. Mm. And then he lets go and he breathes in through his nose. The objective is that his breath hold time is greater than 25 seconds, minimum. Yeah. And the goal for him would be 40 seconds. Now, because he's a chronic mouth breather, I would, even though he's, you're saying he's an athlete at a top level, he will probably have a bolt of about 15 seconds <laughs> because of his chronic mouth breathing. Yeah. On the field regardless of what he's doing, his breathing is going to hold him back and he's going to have disproportionate breathlessness, muscle fatigue, um, you know, and it's, it's just wasting energy unnecessarily because for him to achieve a given intensity and duration of exercise, he has to breathe hard. Yeah. That's influenced by his everyday breathing and he's going around with his mouth open. He's more likely to be breathing fast and shallow because of that and that will impact his sports. Mm. So, a study that was done in 2018 by a professor, Kyle Kiesel, and you'll probably find it online, K-I-E-S-E-L. He's a professor of physical therapy or physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. And he looked at 51 individuals in the United States. They were 27 years of age. And he looked at their breathing from a biochemical and a biomechanical point of view and a psychophysiological point of view. His conclusion was to screen for breathing patterns in the population look at the breath hold time of greater than 25 seconds. That if the breath hold time is greater than 25 seconds, there is an 89% chance that dysfunctional breathing is not present. Wow. And if the breath hold time is less than 25 seconds, it indicates the presence of dysfunctional breathing. Hmm. So it's not a perfect, none of these kind of screens are perfect. That's the way it is. Hmm. But it gives you an indicator. And then say, if somebody's coming into me, I look at their breathing. I measure their bowl score. I think it's really important. It gives me, you know, feedback. And then I watch their breathing and I'm checking how fast are they breathing? Mm -hmm. So what is the speed? Is there any natural pauses after exhalation? Mm -hmm. Are they breathing upper chest or are they breathing low? Are they breathing mouth or are they breathing nose? Mm -hmm. Do they have a regular breathing pattern or do they, for example, are they breathing and then do they stop breathing or 
are they breathing or do they take a big sigh? Yeah. In other words, is their breathing irregular? Yeah. And also we're looking at the amplitude of their breath. So I'm looking at all those. You kind of, you don't do it by st staring at the individual because the one thing about breathing is as soon as we start looking at somebody's breathing, they start to change it. Exactly. So you're kind of doing it subtly. You'll spend just a couple of seconds and then it'll come back off. And you can do it quite quick. Like what's the speed? What's the amplitude? Nose or mouth, high or low, regular mm -hmm. or irregular. Mm -hmm. And you use this information combined with the breath hold time. Mm -hmm. And individuals with a lower breath hold time typically have faster and shallow breathing. Yeah. And those individuals will be more breathless during physical exercise. Mm -hmm. They are more likely to breathe harder during sleep. Yeah. So, for example, in sleep apnea, one of the phenotypes is called loop gain. Yeah. And individuals with a high loop gain, they have a low breath hold time. Yeah. So if you had, say, a client that has a history of sleep apnea, measure that person's bolt score. And if they have a low bolt score, it means that they have high loop gain. And it means that their breathing is very unstable during sleep and it's feeding in on itself. So, you know, the application for mental health for for sleep for movement for dental health we spoke about for sports performance yeah. and even coming to the back to the guys you know on monday these guys are healthy these guys are healthy these are wow. absolutely well-trained individuals they train for one to two hours a day physical training wow. and improving we're all we're looking for a person like that who's already at the top of their game we're looking for even a half a percent can we improve their sleep? Yes. Can we improve their focus and concentration? Yes. Can we help them to downregulate? Yes. Because you can imagine somebody who's in a state of hypervigilance all day long, and then you're expected to be able to downregulate. You can do that through the breath. But say, for example, somebody who's feeling really kind of um, lethargic, can you use breathing exercises to stress stress the body? So yeah. there's times that we use. So I was bringing them through breathing exercises to stress them, mm -hmm. breathing exercises to down regulate. And this gives the autonomic nervous system a little bit of a shake, which is good. Mm. You know, within kind of those, nothing extreme. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of hyperventilation and long breath holes to the point that the blood oxygen saturation drops down to 50 and, it's pretty, that's pretty extreme. I don't think we have to go there. Yeah. We do hyperventilation, but we do breath holes, hyperventilation, and we bring in a recovery. So when we do stress the body, we stress the body, but then we want to recover afterwards. Yeah. And I think more so it's, it's bringing to collection of, I, I suppose it's an awareness of different states of what we can do through the breath, because I really want to take breathing into mainstream, and to, 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 because that's where it's at, you know, and Absolutely. we were talking about kids earlier on yeah. to the athlete, mm. to the person who's sleep disorder breathing, to the person who is a racing mind, to the person who has asthma and nasal obstruction, you know, it can apply to those. Absolutely. And that's why I love your, your racing book and in that you're addressing a lot of these common conditions that can be, you know, people just don't draw the connection between breathing and yes. how that can be impacting their health, you know, the headaches yeah. and, and the dizziness and the dehydration, it, it can all be just the breathing, you know, plus other things yes. that have happened along the years, yeah. but not, no one really looks at that closely. And that's what I also am, am right on board with you there is that I think all of this stuff needs to be brought into the mainstream so then people can actually just draw a connection and go, oh, I've actually got to fix that. 
And how simple is it just to learn a few techniques yeah. and just do it for free? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And our children's program is completely for free. Mm -hmm. You know, children's, teenagers' program, I've put all of the breathing exercise out there for free. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, why, why should a child not be, you know, if a child in a very poor country, for example, why should they be restricted and not have the information? So that's why we did it. We made a policy about five years ago. Everything, the entire children's program is out there for free. You'll see it on YouTube. Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, Patrick, I think you've sort of answered my, I wanted to go down the road of, you know, what we can do about it. And we've discussed that and we've got your LSD, which everyone will remember now. <laughs> and your practicalities and your techniques. And I think it's, it's going to be obviously very different for each person. And that's where we need to sort of explore yes. that way read the books for themselves and go down the YouTube videos and ask any other professionals and any practitioners as well, because you've got practitioners worldwide, don't you? Yes. Um, we've 700 instructors in different countries throughout the world and quite, yeah. quite a few are in Australia as well. You know, Australia's been, been yeah. great um, in terms of both the Buteco side of it, but also the oxygen advantage. Mm. Um, we've Dean Gladstone, who is one of the Bondi Rescue um, lifeguards. So he's one of our instructors. Impressive. So uh, my, my daughter is a big fan of him. We were doing a podcast to Australia there last week. And of course, she wants to come in and have a chat with him. Um, <laughs> my kids and then there's Johannes as well. You know, so yeah, it's, it's really getting out there. And what I just say to people like, start off easy enough and listen to your body. And, you know, for some people, slow breathing may be the key for you. And for other people, you might be focusing on the biomechanics. But I would really say to you is look at the breathe light. And even if you're just to sit down, say, for five minutes as an adult, because this wouldn't, kids won't really get, it, get much from it. And just keep your mouth closed, breathing in and out of your nose. And really slow down the speed of the air as it enters and leaves the nostrils. And breathe a little bit less air. See, can you improve the circulation in your hands? If you practice breathing less air for about three to four minutes, it's normal that you've increased watery saliva in the mouth, which is an indicator that you've stimulated the vagus nerve. So even though you're feeling air hunger, which can be a little bit uncomfortable, the air hunger is signifying that carbon dioxide has increased in the blood, mm. but it's the increase in carbon dioxide that's stimulating the vagus nerve. Mm. And it's also the increase in carbon dioxide that's increasing your blood circulation. And I think that's the best way to do it, yeah. um, Jody. Well, you know, I, I was just thinking while you were talking then, and that exact same thing happened. It's like <laughs> saliva started coming in. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Because for me, that's how I came across it. It wasn't about the theory. You know, I just, I read a simple article, practiced the nose and blocking exercise. It worked. And I said, there's something in this. You're sold. Yeah, you were into it. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And people are coming on board across the world because they see, you know, as you said, it was, it was, it was so left field. It was so, you know, hippie or whatever you want to call it to, to go into breathing techniques. And now it's becoming, um, people are realizing the benefit of it and how they feel yeah. of it and how simple it is, how quickly it can be effective. Yes. So that yeah. for people, it's like, you know, why wouldn't you want to try something like this? So yeah, that's yes, yes. Yeah. And I'll also say that breathing is typically taught according to tradition. Mm. So say, for instance, you go to your local studio, they will teach a breathing technique according to a tradition. And the problem with that is that it's not encompassing breathing in the entirety. It's, you know, it's only focusing in on one aspect of it. And it's limiting the breath because the breath 
has got a greater application. And that's where, like we use 26 different breathing exercises for targeting the different dimensions of it. And we could even break that down into more. But, you know, every our everyday toolbox is 26 exercises. And that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. If I have a 75-year-old man coming in, I can give him breathing exercises. If I have a four-year-old kid, girl, little girl coming in, I can give her breathing exercises. Mm. And so you can tailor the breathing exercise according to the person's breathing, mm. their health, their age. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh, wow. I want to have another podcast with you. I've got so many other questions, but what I wanted to ask you on a personal level, because I like to ask each of my guests before we dive into where to find you and your new book coming out and dates and everything there. What, what are your, your daily non-negotiables when it comes to health, happiness, you know, optimised health and making you feel fantastic? What do you do and what, what every day is your non-negotiables? One non-negotiable is that I have to get in a half an hour to an hour of physical exercise per day. Mm-hmm. Now, for a number of months, the workload was really high and I found that it was getting sacrificed, that I wasn't getting it in every day. And as a result, then your productivity dips. So what I made was a concerted effort. I said, I don't want to be, because my workload is crazy. I started work at, what time did I get up this morning? 4.40. So 20 minutes to five is when I started. That's a.m. But I won't finish until 6.15. So that's a 14 hour day. Now it's not always like that, mm. but it's just that we have such, such a, um, so many things going on at the moment. Now, luckily, I have got the breath as well to bring balance in the autonomic nervous system. I always want to have that time of at least a half an hour to an hour that I can do physical exercise, even if it's a fast walk or if it's a jog, that's all I need because I, and I feel then that, you know, I'm like, I, I deserve, I should be giving myself some attention as Mm -hmm. opposed to, we often get caught up in our everyday work life and, you know, things can be busy. And as a result, then we're giving all of our attention outwards and we're not bringing our attention inwards. Mm-hmm. Um, emails, I absolutely detest. Social <laughs> media, I detest. I just find that all of the no- normal things that they're just draining of uh-huh. time and right. of energy. Totally. And like, like, you know, at the moment, I'm trying to get a book across the line. And for me to get a book across the line, I'd literally ignore everything else. Yeah. Ignore it. Yeah. And so I can focus on that because if I, if I try, but then people get upset when you don't answer their emails, but you know what? That's the choices we have to make. Sometimes if you want to accomplish a deep, you know, if you want to get that goal, you have to cut out all of the distractions. And when I'm talking about distractions, one is distractions of the mind and the other is distractions from devices and emails and interruptions. Mm. And then you can focus on what you want to achieve. And, you know, I'd never write a book if I was constantly responding to emails. So, yeah, you do your best. It's like everything else, Jody. And sometimes mm. we all have limitations. So we have to make choices on that one. Absolutely. You just remind me of all the greats that, you know, Shakespeare's and, and Einstein's and all the ones that, you know, seem to just clear out there. They just lock themselves away got out of their minds in other ways though, you know, drinking and drugs and things like that. Beautiful LSDs in that sense. <laughs> but we, we do need that to take the distraction yes. away and our constant distra- yeah. distractions in our world these days is just not good for our 
body, no. brain, mind. No, not at all. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And companies should realize this for their employees as well. Oh. An employee shouldn't be always available, you know, um, text messaging later in the evening yeah. and things like that, because their productivity is going to suffer. And burnout, burnout is extremely high at the moment. You know, I was, I was working with a major multi-international multi, um, about two weeks ago, and she, she spoke, the HR person, that burnout is exceedingly high. Yeah. COVID, because of course, there was so much uncertainty about whether they're opening their branches and closing their branches and the additional workload that's associated with that. Employees working from home, constantly on demand. Mm. You know, so we have to give ourselves some attention. It's not just all about work. Oh, absolutely. All right, Patrick, so I don't take too much of your time because I'm very, very much aware of that. Um, tell me where to find you, where people can go to, to get more information about this and where they can find your books and what date's your book coming out? Is it end of June or end of July? The Breathing Cure oh. is out already. Um, the, uh, maybe not in Australia, you, I think. <laughs> no, do you know what? It's not. The, the, it's been published by a company in the United States as well called Humanix Books. And I think it's out the end of July into early August. Okay. Um, but it, it is available from our website, oxygenadvantage.com. Okay. <laughs> and I will have, I'll have a new book as well, which I'm hoping to get across the line in the next four weeks. And this is going to be on focus. And this is really about bringing, changing states to improve concentration and attention span mm -hmm. and moving away from mindfulness or bringing mindfulness in when we have deep sleep and functional breathing patterns, then bring in mindfulness. In other words, when the central nervous system is calm yeah. and when sleep is deep, then bring in mind and breath and body awareness. I think we have to have, so in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, my idea now for the modern society is that we, our hierarchy of needs starts with deep sleep, then breathing, functional breathing, breath aware, body aware, mind aware, and that's self-actualization. I don't think we can achieve flow states or reach our full potential unless we address our physiology. Yeah. Wow, that's that's awesome. And it goes against the sleep when we're dead, doesn't it? <laughs> Turn that one around. <laughs> yes. um, all right, so social media, those sorts of things. Where can people find you? What, what would be the best place? Butecoclinic.com. And we have social media as well. You'll see it on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Wonderful. And then oxygenadvantage.com. So Buteco Clinic is more anxiety and panic and sleep issues and respiratory and children's oxygenadvantage.com is more performance-based. Awesome. And I'll link to all that in the notes as well. So Patrick, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I've gotten a lot out of this. I'm sure the audience has got an amazing amount out of this as well and awareness. And I really appreciate your work in doing all of this and bringing awareness to the the community to the the mainstream and all that that people that are we're, we're loving it we're absolutely loving it put it that way so thank you good stuff thanks so much jody thanks for listening to the revital health podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode follow us on instagram and facebook at revital health as well as our website revitalhealth.com.au for upcoming podcasts workshops and speaking events 
Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.